0: Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Moobles to Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. So let's get into it. Chapter 2. Skirmish. Zen Sholson. Time frame, February 26th to February 29th, Universal Century 0088, Peasant Airspace. An early warning and control or EWAC Nero was on patrol when a nearby GM3 exploded. On the sensor display, the electronics warfare officer noted that his team of green dots Allied mobile suit disappeared and only two red dots signifying the enemy remain. The sensor on the mobile suit was monitoring all nearby activity and combat data. They all got wiped out in five minutes, yelled the electronic warfare officer. The pal replied, you better get out of here. The EWAC Nero's thrusters came to life as the suit tried to escape. It was at the moment, or at that moment rather, that the red dots on the display changed their vectors and headed towards the Nero. The pilot cursed at this new development and performed a backflip as an evasive maneuver. The electronic warfare officer downloaded data files from the sensor array and transferred them to data pods and informed the pilot. The pilot launched the pods into space as the mirror was pierced in the torso by energy beams. The UAC mirror was destroyed and eliminated two Zekoi mobile suits nearby. Colonel Prey flying at one of them. No, the mobile suit represented a new class of reconnaissance mobile suit, and that data pods were launched before its destruction. Lieutenant Offshore asked if the GMs were just decoys, then to allow the new mobile suits to gather data. It is common kind of practice to make sacrifices for information in a war. Remember that. Offshore nodded, but the fact that he caused actual deaths was lost on him. This battle seemed like nothing more than a game or a fencing match. PENTA was the Earth Federation for Spain relay station overing the Earth. Five massive circular columns emanated from the center, with various military ships docked to it. Task Force Alpha docked for a maintenance check before embarking on its mission at PENTA. Also, it took on the remaining crew, mobile suits, and equipment, and were brought on board. Ryoma Sakamoto, or rather, Rio Roots, was ecstatic. Since he's back on the base in Nevada as an ensign, He was running its simulation tests on the new mobile suit controls and safety systems. However, as per protocol, to actually use an actual mobile suit, he was promoted to a second lieutenant. Despite all this, he was still rather unsure as to why they chose him in particular. He joined the Pegasus Three via a shuttle from Earth and found an automated station to help direct him to the ship's briefing room. The 3D display came to life and showed him a path. He arrived as the meeting started. Captain Stolmatting introduced himself to the pilots and informed them that he was in charge of Task Force Alpha's Mobile Suit Corps, uh, essentially as the CAG or Combat of air, uh, commander of uh, air group. Lieutenant Root sat next to Lieutenant Shin Crypt. Ryu asked what he thought of the captain, and Shin thought he was just like any other grizzled veteran and would not get along with him. Ryu thought that he would get along just fine. Shin shot back that he didn't realize Ryu liked men. Ryu answered, not at all, but he thought it was going to be interesting to go up against him. Despite talking in hushed tones, Mannings could hear them and shot them both a very disapproving look. The captain was about to start the briefing when the door opened and a large man stood at the doorway. Captain Mannings asked if he was with this unit and he said yes. He was told to enter but noted that there were no empty seats. Mannings, getting frustrated ordered him to sit on the floor and asked him what his name was. The burly pilot said, Lieutenant Tex Wes. After finding his name on the list, he noted, Oh, you're from Caraba. During the Grips War, Caraba was an Earth-based ally, the Anti-Earth Union Group, or AU. The other pilots and officers in the room chuckled and wondered why would a pilot who only fought in the confines of Earth's atmosphere and gravity would be sent to fight in space. Once Lieutenant West was seated, Captain Manning's continued. The monitor behind him showed Peasant and its present orbit. A month ago, members of the Instructor Corps stationed here defected to the Titans and seized control of Pezzin. They then used nuclear pulse thrusters to push the Pezzin asteroid to Lagrange Point L4. Based on our analysis, it is unlikely that their goal is to drop Pezzin onto Earth. Their objectives are unknown as of now, however, we do expect them to take up a position against the Federation at AUG. The image on the monitor changed. A week ago, the 127 Combat Unit stationed at Site 2 was sent to Peasant for a reconnaissance mission. This is the information we gathered before they were wiped out. Unfortunately, we were able only to retrieve one data pod. The pilots, especially Roots, Watson shock as a larger patrol unit of six units were destroyed by two Instructor Corps mobile suits in less than five minutes. You also know that our opponents are responsible for the development of the combat data of the IMPC, or Integrated Maneuver Propulsion Controls. Their IMPC capabilities are far superior to what we currently have on hand. Our only chance of success lies with the latest combat data brought back by members of the Instructor Corps that have returned to Earth, said Mannings. So I guess that means you'll we'll only live a little bit longer than the GM team," Roots jokingly whispered. The assembled officers were then dismissed and told that the task force would leave from Penta at, well, 300 hours Earth Standard Time and to be aboard their designated ships by 2200 hours. Promptly, at 0, 0300 hours, the Pegasus 3 and four Salamis escort cruisers departed from Penta and set out. Roots and Crypt went to the mess hall for coffee. Roots bemoaned that they were stuck with this old guy. Crypt reminded that the mobile suit commander would routinely be on the flagship. He then was annoyed by the fact that Crypt was a first lieutenant and outranked him. Crypt reminded him he was operating Faz. Roots was none too pleased when Lieutenant West walked in. He was assigned to Zeta Plus. He told the two that Mangs wanted the flight crew to report to the waiting room. Dismissively, Roots said he wasn't going yet since he had not unpacked and threw the cup of coffee he had. He proceeded to rather proceeded to leave when he knew the cup floated past West and hit Mannings in the face, who was standing behind him. Mannings yelled at him and said, if he feels like unpacking is more important than your life, need not to bother to train. He then proceeded to show his prosthetic right leg to remind him that this was a lesson he learned in the one-year war, and he was fortunate that this is all that he lost. Roots felt uncomfortable and laughed out, saying, fine, let's go. I'll show you what I can do, as he rushed out of the mess hall. Mannings cursed himself, thinking if this officer were not already selected for his superior gundam, that he would have choked him to death. He then reminded, or rather remembered, that all the mobile new types are the same, and Wonder Fruits was also a new type, and felt unease at the thought. Train continues as the Task Force Alpha Press approached the radar range of peasant. The operator, meanwhile, reported to Colonel Cray, back at Pezzum that the ships of the task force were within range. Pezzum was preparing his defenses, but was not completely set. Cray inquired if any information on the fleet commander was available. The operator said he would try to find out, but since their data link with Federation servers were cut, it likely would be outdated. They had no data on the flagship or type of mobile suits that they had. They both felt it was a, likely a feint or ploy led by a rookie captain. Brave Cod was present as well and ordered Lieutenant Offshore and his team to delay the enemy's approach to allow them to prepare their defenses further. Peasants' mainest crew prepared the Zaku for for long range assault, or Type 2 class. Once ready, Joff Offshore ordered the first assault team to move out. Once en route, Cod ordered to delay the Federation ships and find out the capabilities, but not to overdo it. Offshore smiled as he readied himself. Shin Crypt was lying in his bunk when he received the message from the intercon to report to the mobile suit deck. He wasn't fond of the call as it went off at an ungodly hour. He removed himself from the restraints on the bed and changed his flight suit and headed to the pilot waiting room on the mobile suit deck. When he got there, he saw Mannings there and looked quite serious. He told Lieutenant Crypt to get ready for battle. Manning told him the situation and informed him that the peasant launched mobile suits but likely would not reach them due to lack of enough fuel at this range and would likely launch a long range attack via weapons. Since ships like cannons or missiles would be ineffective at this range, Manning's one Lieutenant Cripp to launch his FAZ with others' wingmen in FAZs to counter with long range beam weapons. He then headed towards the FAZ and then closed the cockpit. The linear seat with his 360 degree Panoramic monitor came to life. and the window on the monitor, Crypt saw Lieutenant John Grissom on the screen. He inquired if he was okay and where was Aldrin. Lieutenant Grissom informed that, the, that Aldrin would be on their standby and is ready for launch. Crypt then informed the control room of Pegasus 3 that the FAS team was ready to launch. Two FAS units launched from the decks of the Pegasus equipped with their long-range hyper-mega-particle cannons. Once they entered the fire range, Crypt noted their lights heading towards him. He ordered his wingman to pull back, breaking radio sounds. He then looked to see where they were being fired upon and found four targets within firing range. Crypt fires <sharp inhale> fired his cannon and to also fire with slight adjustments to the initial firing solution. His beam attack was a ferocious blue beam that fired out into the coldness of space and lasted for three full seconds. Crypt cursed, realizing the shot was his intended target. The two units started a rotational basis of firing as the hyper-mega cannon took a long time to tra- recharge was not fought between firing. Joff Oshort was startled at how close the blue beans were to his mobile suit. He asked his wingman whether the beans were from the moon guns of the cruisers. He then realized the adjustments being made in the firing pattern did not likely seem to be from a ship, but rather either a very large mobile armor or a mobile suit also equipped with long-range weapons. The Zeku-Eins and Faz teams took shots at each other repeatedly but neither were able to hit their opponent. Crypt realized he was out of ammo. Aldrin reported also having no more energy for his cannon. They debated about having Grissom also launch when his sensor detected that the opposing forces were retreating and decided against launching the backup fads. At the same time, Offshore received encrypted message saying that the garden has been decorated. Offshore was satisfied that he had been able to slow down the approach of the enemy Federation ships and return to Pezen. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about the mobile suit Nero and its variants such as the standard class, EWAC, and trainer. We'll also cover the Zeta Plus as well. So to begin, the standard Nero, designated MSA-007, of note, MS stands for Mole Suit and A stands for Anaheim, uh, just for further clarification. Its total height is that of 20.2 meters. Top height uh, is 19 meters, 19.02 rather. Body weight of 34.1 tons. When totally equipped with uh, maximum loadout, it can go up to 60.5 tons. Power generator output of 1,650 kilowatts. Power rocket thrusters, there are four uh, with a total output of 10,200 kilograms each. In attitude control verniers, where there are a total of eight. It has a sensor effective radius of 12,000 meters. Its armor is composed of gundalian composite. And for fixed armament, it contains or houses two beam savers, uh, both with a capability of 0. 0.9 megawatts. Uh, according to the and Sentinel book, uh, there are two main trends in the development of post-One Year War federal, uh, Federation mobile suits that are mass pro- uh, mass-produced. One uh, was based on a lot of data that was uh, acquired from Xeon after the One Year War. After the One Year War was over, in order to prepare the exhausted troops of the Federation, cheap and solid mobile suits, such as the GM-3 and Isaacs were the mainstays, and during the Grips War, uh, Next-generation mobile suits are based on Zaku, Dom, or Gelugu Type-C on mobile suits. The other is a simplified GM-based mobile suit of the Federation, high-performance mobile suit, such as the Gundam, that achieved great results in the One Year War. Although these two systems have technical influences on each other, they're still flowing as two different design concepts. NIRA is a relatively high-end, mass-produced production machine that combines strength or design the lower half of the IOTA Gundam, or in this case Superior Gundam or S Gundam, and the upper half of the Lambda Gundam, which is described as MSA-0012. At some point, we might talk a little bit about that in a later episode. Uh, A binder uh, using a movable frame can be attached to the shoulder, and depending on how it's tuned, uh, it's actually comparable to mobile suits of even a higher class. The neuro design uh, is intained from the gunner system uh, that has uh, made remarkable progress since the one year war. The first variant will be the EWAC Nero, which was fe- featured in the beginning of this episode. Its designation was MSA-007E, E for EWAC. The total height is at a 22.03 meters, head height of 21.32 meters, body height, rather, sorry, body weight of 43.6 tons, Total weight of 79.2 tons. Uh, power generator uh, that's able to produce uh, 1,650 kilowatts. Uh, mobile rocket thrusters were a total of four that are able to generate up to 200,200 200 kilograms. Uh, it has uh, attitude control verniers of a total of eight, and its sensors with an effective radius of 6,250,000 meters. It does not, however, have any weapons. The Ewak Nero is an early warning mobile suit. The field created by the Minovsky particles significantly attenuates electromagnetic waves in the wavelength range such as radio waves. Radar search for enemy uh, in this era is difficult, so reconnaissance with radar and searching is effective in air spaces with sufficiently low particle concentrations. This machine is based on the MSA-007 uh, uh, Nemo, or rather Nero, and has a huge head containing a, a radar antenna a dedicated backpack with a data processor and communication device along with a cockpit that has been increased to allow for two uh, two passengers or rather two pilots and one pilot and an operator compared to the UX Z- Ziku the base and head have a long range ant- radar antenna and identification friendly or foe antenna inside so the mobile suit has better performance operability and survivability and two crew members inside, as mentioned before. All this information that's uh, uh, obtained uh, is digitally processed, and the laser and radar radio signals are used for combat information on the mothership CIC, so the operator can uh, concentrate on guarding duties without being distracted. The operation time is very long, and additional propellant tank can be added. The EWAC aircraft is tr- transmitted in real time to one of its components of the EWAC system. Set under the mothership CIC. Furthermore, wireless communication when it's not possible uh, and the true value is demonstrated by systematically operating in cooperation with CIC and other mobile cities. In other cases, uh, it can record information, data pod and back, shoot it out and can collect it later. It also has a remotely piloted vehicle or RPV and a camera mounted to a retractable cable for further reconnaissance capability. And lastly, the Nero trainer. Uh, it is designated MSA 007T. Its overall height is 20.88 mm, uh, meters, head height of 19.02 meters, body weight is 38.2 tons, but can be maxed out at 61.7 tons. has a power generator output of 1,650 kilowatts. Mobile thrusters, there are four 10,200 kilograms and an additional uh, four on a binder, which have 6,400 kilograms per rocket thruster. It has a total of eight attitude control verniers, an effective sensor radius of 12,000 meters. It's armor is composed of gundallion composite and for fixed armaments, it has uh 60 millimeter Vulcans where there are two mounted on either side of the head and two standard uh, bean sabers. It also can be equipped with a beam rifle. The Nero Trainer was developed as a training machine for tactical command groups and mobile suit squadron commanders because of the need for heterogeneous combat training. The Nero is a mass-produced machine that applies the design of the IOTA or superior Gundam, uh, but is light in its weight for its output and has good maneuverability. It also has relatively high performance among mass-produced machines. A binder was applied to the shoulder for aiding and training purposes. The previous shoulder block with Attitude Control Vernier had been removed and a small shoulder armor had been created, that does not interfere with the function of the binder. The binder extends the frame that connects the shoulder, internode, and chest block. The newly designed binder is relatively small. It's a compact design and Jarn does not have weapons, uh, but it does not actually focus on actual combat participation. As a result, two stabilizers in the backpack with the AMBAC using the shoulder and shoulder binder. Uh, the 180 return that was previously formed at the Vernier shoulder block can be reduced to less than half the time. Since the thrust force doubled with a slight decreasing mass, the momentary acceleration was also large and the pilot had good skill. He or she could bring out quite high performance. As a result, the aircraft is more than originally uh, as requested is ideal for training pilots and contributes to overall pilot training in many mobile suit teams next we'll cover my one of my favorites uh, in terms of uh, mobile suits the zeta plus msz 6 z for zeta uh, was made by anaheim electronics as the first mobile suit able to transform into the wave rider or wr mode and is able to independently enter the earth's atmosphere However, due to the cost of manufacturing, not many were built. However, Caraba, uh, AU's ally that we talked about in this episode, realized the ability of the wave rider mode and repurposed the unit to be able to have long-range atmospheric flight capability. Therefore, Zeta Plus was created for that purpose, but few were made. The A1 variant was not meant for space use, and instead used very efficiently by Caraba. The plan was then started to repurpose the A1 variant for outer space. This became the C-1, which added refrigeration and enhanced life support systems for using the vacuum. Improved engine propellant, which had been placed between four nuclear-powered engines to the wing glider, and tail stabilizer. In terms of weapons, the A-1 has a movable frame, which has attached on its left and right thigh a pair of beam cannons. This allowed the weapon to be used without the need of using the mobile suit arms which directly connects the movable frame to the beam gun and has a self-contained energy source and targeting built-in. As a result, its combat capabilities are greatly enhanced. Uh, this allows for the typical use of a beam smart gun for the C1 variant. The Mobile Suit can transform into the Wave Rider mode and has the beam smart gun attached to it via a lax-removable frame. This allows for a higher power beam attack via a long range with the use of detached disc radums. With the appropriate calculations, you can even land and take off from the surface of the moon with the external propellant tanks. Despite its high performance, the overall cost was not high among transformed mobile suits and it served very well. The A2 variant was uh, another variation of the A class uh, and it had a high mega cannon on its forehead. A total of six were converted to this A2 class, however, uh, only a total of three were actually made and the rest were then disassembled for parts and replacements and had a very limited short run. Just as an aside, the Zeta Plus uh, will be a mobile suit that you'll see in later properties um, that actually were animated, such as Gundam Unicorn. Now for this episode's deep dive or analysis, we're going to talk a little bit about callbacks to the Apollo mission in Gundam. Um, This is a little bit thin uh, as compared to some previous episodes we've done like uh, when we talked about the Shinsengumi, or the origin of Alice and how it relates to uh, Gundam Sentinel. However, it does appear that Gundam seems to have a strong fixation on the moon. was featured in so many parts of the franchise, both for Universal Century and the alternate universe. Uh, Von Braun City is the first and largest city on the moon in the Universal Century. It was made near the Sea of Tranquility, where Apollo 11 landed on the moon. NMI Electronics, which is the premier manufacturer of mobile suits in many of the UC storylines, including Gundam Sentinel, has a major factory and base of operations in Von Braun City. Nina and Tom did an excellent analysis of the importance of Werner Von Braun in their podcast, Mobile Suit Breakdown, which you should check out. Suffice to say, Von Braun City is named after Werner Von Braun, a scientist who helped to develop the V-2 rocket used by the Nazis during World War II. Once World War II is over... Uh, his group was bought into, or rather brought into NASA, and was the architect of the Saturn V rocket that helped put uh, American astronauts on the moon. Two of the pilots in this chapter also are connected to the Apollo mission. First was Lieutenant Aldrin, who flew the FAS. It is presumably named after Buzz or Edwin Eugene Aldrin, Jr. He was a commissioned officer who graduated from West Point and served in the United States Air Force and flew combat missions. During the Korean War, where he reportedly shot down two MiG uh, fifteen aircraft, he then went on to uh, go to MIT, and joined NASA as the first astronaut with a doctoral degree. His first space flight was in one thousand, nine hundred and sixty-six aboard Gemini twelve. He was then aboard Apollo eleven, which landed on the moon on July twenty-first, one thousand, nine hundred and sixty-nine, and walked out shortly after Neil Armstrong. As of this recording, he's still alive at the age of ninety. Lt. Grissom was the other fast pilot mentioned in this chapter. He is presumably named after Virgil Ivan Gus Grissom. He also was an officer for the United States who served during World War II in the United States Army Air Force. He then re-enlisted after being discharged in 1945, after World War II had completed, and joined the United States Air Force during the Korean War, where he flew the F-86 Sabre jet on combat missions. He then joined NASA was in a suborbital flight on a Mercury mission, but nearly died when the craft landed in the ocean due to a mishap and nearly drowned. He then was in 1964 on board Gemini 3, Gemini 3 rather, and went into space and became the first American astronaut to enter space twice. He was then transferred to the Apollo program. On January 26, 1967, during a pre-launch test of Apollo 1, the command module caught on fire, and he, along with his crewmates, Edward White II and Roger Bruce, Bruce rather) Chaffee, were associated and died. Next episode, Chapter 3 Sally Forth S. Gundam. Peasant forces prepared the Devil's Garden for the Federation fleet. Task Force Alpha's cruisers come under fire. Things become more desperate for the task force when their commander decides to launch the FAS team, Zeta Plus, as well as S Gundam herself. Be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast, or on Facebook at https://www.facebook.com/slash groups/slash Gundam Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your gut of loving and otaku friend to check it out. Until next time.